Hello, and welcome back to the Catching Up on Capitol Hill podcast series, a series in which we discuss the latest in tax legislation and in tax policy. I'm your host, John Gimigliano, and today we are joined by old friends Jenna Cunha and Tom Stout as our focus returns to the Biden tax plan. Now, if you listened to our episode last week, you know that we discussed the Senate's latest effort in developing further COVID relief legislation, the so-called HEALS Act. You also know that I promised you that we would get back to that topic this week to update the progress and negotiations between the House and the Senate in reconciling the HEALS Act with the House's HEROES Bill. Well, here's the thing. They have made almost no progress this week, so there's really very little to say. So apologies if you came here for that, but fear not. There's so much more to discuss. So as I said, let's turn back to the Biden tax plan this week. Now, before we get started, public service announcement. Our team here at KPMG, we put out a Biden tax plan FAQ document this week. We'll make sure to include a link to that document along with the link to today's podcast. So today we'll start the process over a number of episodes of breaking the Biden plan down plank by plank. And today we start with the biggie, at least on the business side of the ledger, the proposal to raise the corporate rate from 21 to 28%. So Jen, let me start with you since you know a thing or two about changing the corporate rate. During your time on the Senate Finance Committee, you were the lead drafter of what ultimately became the TCJA. And during your time in the House, you worked on various proposals there that would have also lowered the corporate rate. And it all seems pretty simple, just change a number, but it is more than that, isn't it? The corporate rate seems to have tendrils that reach into nearly every design choice you make in developing a tax system. Can you just talk to us a little bit about some of those considerations? Sure. Well, you know, nothing is simple in tax, is it? It's funny because people say, well, why not just, you know, you strike 35 to get to 21, you strike 21 to get to 25, 28 in the case of um, Biden's tax plan. Well, yes and no, right? It's easy to draft. That is a single drafting point. But, you know, there's so many interactions between the corporate rate and other areas of potential change. So for instance, you know, if you, we used to always say, and you know, a lot of the members would always say, you know, the most efficient and successful form of anti-base erosion is a low corporate rate. And you see that because when you reduce the corporate rate, you don't actually pay for it in full because the offset, there's offsetting revenue that would not be planned out of the U.S. net. So, for instance, when you go up, when you increase the rate, you do raise revenue, but you also decrease the amount of revenue that you would have otherwise collected on the international front. So, for instance, it puts a lot of pressure on outbound transaction planning, and, you know, that can impact revenue in the opposite direction. So, you know, these things all kind of interrelate and they change the economics of every transaction when you're looking at a rate. Another thing that becomes a lot more important and expensive is tax preference items. If you increase the rate, tax preference items cost a lot more revenue than you would normally think. You know, I mean, look at expensing. You know, they become a lot more valuable the higher the rate is. So if you want to pair you know, a a big business deduction, a friendly business deduction with an increase in the corporate rate, saying that one will pay for the other. Well, the cost of that other proposal, that deduction or another corporate preference is going to be a lot higher with that bigger rate. 
because there's also going to be a push to get it to plan into that corporate preference as well. So, you know, it's not as simple as just striking and swapping in a number. There's so many different things that are impacted by the, by the headline rate. In addition to, I mean, we don't even get into the, you know, the international competition. Headline rates matter, right? Especially, you know, in today's world where, you know, everyone is, you know, there is tax competition. And all of these things are, you know, kind of in the ether of tax policy. So it's not as easy as, as one would think. That's such an important point. And maybe one that's obvious, maybe it's not. But, you know, just to your point about base erosion, you think about all the things that we have in our current system that are designed, even things that came in, in the TCJA that are designed to prevent that. You know, we have the guilty, we had the beat, we almost had the bat, maybe not almost. Uh, we have 163J of all these other things that are designed to prevent base erosion. And that's in the 21% environment. Think about the pressure on those, increased pressure on those anti-base erosion measures as the rate goes up, right? Because they become that much more important in preventing right. base erosion, right? Okay. Look, Tom, so Biden is proposing a 28% rate. Now, somehow that seems familiar. Haven't we seen that proposal somewhere else? And the second question, what is it about, about 28%? That seems like a pretty specific number. Is there something magic about why that number? You think the Biden campaign picked that number? Yeah, we have certainly seen this before. This was uh, the 28% rate was something that was proposed during the Obama administration in 2016 in, in what he called the framework for business tax reform. And the the derivation of the 28% rate came from at least one study that that indicated that 28% was roughly the the average effective tax rate on corporate income in the OECD. I think that's where they came up with it. But it may also have been partly driven by the idea that you could get to something close to that 28% rate by repealing a number of uh, corporate tax preferences and uh, do it on a revenue neutral basis. So I, I think both of those concepts were certainly in there. Also to, to, to Jennifer's point uh, about uh, the interactive effects here, you can also increase the revenue that you can raise from a corporate tax increase like this by increasing the tax on foreign income. That's another way to reduce base erosion. And that's also part of uh, Obama's plan to double the, the guilty rate. Yeah, you know, so a couple of thoughts on that. Uh, one of which is one you just alluded to there, Tom, which is as we think about raising taxes on corporations, it, you could do it in more ways than just raising the rate. So we shouldn't lose sight of that. That you know, maybe you'll say, well, twenty-one to twenty-eight maybe isn't so bad. But remember, that's just one way to get at. It. There's lots of ways without going, you know, raising the rate further to raise taxes on corporations as well. And eventually, we're going to get to other businesses, par partnerships, and other things. But today was talking about the, the corporate context. I think one other important thing to think about in the Obama context is, if you look at that plan, a lot of people are thinking it's very relevant to where Biden might go. But remember, something really important has happened since then. Of course, the TCJA was enacted since then. So a lot of things that Obama proposed back then in you know 2015, 16, 17, now have to sort of, you have to sort of filter them through the lens of a post-TCJA world and how they fit in that context. Jen, let's come back to this question then. Like, let's say, come back to raising the corporate rate. How much money are we talking about raising here? You sort of got into some of that, you know, going up and down and some of the effects, but are we talking about raising a lot of money in this context or just a little bit of money? Well, other than individual, you know, and the individual fund, when you raise the corporate rate, 
it really depends on the state of the economy. So that's one thing that we should just, I mean, it's the elephant in the room right now because we are facing economic uncertainty in this country. So, but usually in a normal year, and I don't think 2020 is anything like a normal year, the rule of thumb is if you want to reduce the rate, you get about $100 billion per point in a 10-year window, which is the record-keeping, the congressional record-keeping standard. When you try to bring it back up, it gets haircut. And, you know, we don't know exactly what the haircut would be because there are so many interactions between the corporate rate and, like we said before, you know, items like the guilty, the beat, 163J. But I would imagine that what we were talking about, you know, when I was on the Hill was about a 20% haircut on the way because the Joint Committee on Taxation takes into account taxpayers planning out from under the U.S. tax debt. And, you know, and it's either out from under or, you know, maximizing other tax preferences. But you don't get dollar for dollar what you got on the way down. You don't get that on the way up because of the planning opportunities and the new importance of planning opportunities. And I, I guess another way to think about that, too, is not every percentage point is equal though, right? So yeah. as you go down, they mean more. I mean, it's always easier for me to think about these and you know, these abstract concepts in the extreme. So imagine how much money do you raise going from a corporate rate of 99% to 100? Probably not a lot because there's probably not a lot of corporations out there with a corporate rate of 99%. But then compare that from zero to 1%. That zero to 1% raises more than the 99 to 100%. So not every percent is equal to as you go along that scale in terms of how you raise revenue. And then again, we've seen some revenue estimates recently it actually show there's more money there than you might have thought. But I guess in the end, it all comes back down to a reminder. And you know, if you're a corporate tax person, you have to be reminded of this all the time, that federal tax receipts from the corporate tax are less than 10% of the total. So the money is really on the individual side. So billion dollars is big, but in relative number, it's not as big. Okay, Tom, then let's come back to another question for you. Let's just assume we have a President Biden, we have a democratically controlled Congress, that's the House and the Senate, and that they can pass a tax bill with a higher corporate rate. I guess the next question is, when? How should we think about possible effective dates in terms of when we might actually see a corporate rate increase? Well, it's, that's going to be a, an interesting question uh, if, if the change in control actually takes place. The economy may have a lot to do with how quickly the Democrats might move to increase the corporate rate. Also, their spending priorities, when they might feel that they, they need to offset spending programs that they want to adopt and, and uh, would also dictate the timing of that. You know, and then also, you know, there's the important question of, of effective dates and when, you know, whether Congre Congress could adopt a retroactive effective date, for instance, if it decided uh, mid-year in 2021 to increase the corporate rate as, as Biden's proposing to 28 percent, would it be effective for the entire calendar year? And, you know, generally speaking, Congress has been reluctant to adopt retroactive tax increases on the theory that, you know, it's, it's sort of a bait and switch. But the Supreme Court has upheld previous retroactive tax increases. It did for a rate increase uh, on the estate tax 
1993 when Clinton was proposing a tax increase. So it can do that if it wants to. Uh, you know, it remains to be seen when I think Congress will will need the revenue for the spending programs and what state of the economy is going to be in, in 2021 when the economy might stand tax increases. So then to just run down what those look like, you've got the, as you said, the retroactive tax increase. So let's just say that sometime in 2021, Congress passes a corporate tax increase. This would be theoretically back to, say, 1-1-21, January 1st, 2021. Historically, an anomaly, but not unheard of. And certainly, as the Supreme Court has told us, not unconstitutional. So it can be done, even if it's not ideal policy. So that's one possibility, even remote, but not 0% possibility. Another one would be as of the date of enactment. So whatever day they enact it, that's the new effective date. Always putting these corporate tax rates in place in the middle of the year is always a little bit tricky from not only from a tax reporting point of view, but from a financial statement point of view. But it happens. And then the other one would be prospective. Let's just say, you know, we'll make the new corporate rate effective January 1, 2022. Those things are all possible. Tom, let's quickly, what about phased in approaches? We hear something about this, like, you know, like we're going to slowly phase it in over a number of years. Is that a possibility? You know, that's a possibility, too. I, I think the delayed effective date is, is probably a more likely outcome, you know, again, depending on matching up when the revenues needed to offset spending increases that are being proposed at the same time. So I, I still think that's going to be the driver. So matching those up uh, yeah. will probably be the priority. This idea of phased in rate changes, you know, they work pretty well when you're cutting the rate when you're cutting taxes because the the way congress accounts for them they have a 10-year budget window so if you phase in a tax cut you're pushing out some of the cost of it outside the 10-year window congress likes to do that they don't like to phase in tax increases as much because you're actually pushing some of the revenue you pick up that you could use to pay for other stuff outside of the window so it's not impossible that they would phase in at a higher rate but they will do so at the financial benefit of it within the 10-year budget window of actually raising that rate. Okay, Jen, last question then. Tom was alluding to, you know, what about the economy, how that plays in. Just your thoughts on how does the economy play into this question of whether, when, or how much to raise the corporate rate? Typically, you would think, you know, increasing the rate, especially if there's a Democratic sweep and it has been kind of a pillar of the tax program, that it would be an easy thing to do, right? But, you know, on a down economy, from a policy perspective and from a legislative drafting perspective, you don't get bang for your buck on an increase in the rate. You don't get as much revenue as you would normally want in order to pay for some of those things that some of those policy proposals that do cost a lot of revenue. So yes and no. Also, the one thing cutting against that is that, you know, depending on how taxpayers, how voters feel about the state of the economy, there could be a feeling of, and we've seen this in the past where where people think, you know, I'm not doing well, the economy isn't doing well, but I see these big companies making a lot of money, have a lot of profit, and they're not really paying a whole lot of tax. So that can lead to kind of a, a counterintuitive push to increase the rate, even though you don't have a whole lot of revenue to gain by doing so. So that's a great answer because, you know, there's a policy angle to it. There's a fiscal you know, or budgetary effect. There's the political overlay. And I always add one more political overlay, which I guess cuts back the other way yet again, which is, you know, let's take some courage to raise business taxes in the middle of an economic downturn because if businesses struggle, whether it affects that or not, 
it does provide the other side with something to point to saying you made it hard for businesses or the economy to recover. And so it's going to be really interesting to watch how 2021 plays out. If we get to this scenario of a President Biden with a democratically controlled Congress, whether or not they'll pursue the corporate rate increase right away. Uh, and just one last point to make is also remember, you know, if you listen to our podcast, if you haven't, I'd say go back and listen to this one because I thought it was a great episode about the repeal of the filibuster. If the filibuster does get repealed, it gives, I would think, in that scenario, a democratically controlled Congress several or maybe more bites at the apple to do tax increases versus if we're still in a world where you have to get 60 votes or used budget reconciliation, you're probably only going to get one big tax bill next year, and you really only have one chance to do it. So that's just another overlay to think about. So many moving pieces on that, and that we're just going to have to see how 2021 goes. Well, look, that's it for today. As I said, we'll get back to the other aspects of the Biden plan in time as we continue to break down its proposals. Just a parting word on the corporate rate, though. Look, since we are in the midst of a highly unorthodox presidential election, I can't help but look back to a time when elections were a little more orthodox. Way back during the 2012 election, Mitt Romney was derided by many people for saying, quote, corporations are people, unquote. Now, look, I don't recall exactly the context of that <laughs> statement, but in the context of the discussion we just had on the corporate rate, the statement rings true. Corporations don't pay tax because corporations don't exist, at least not outside the legal fiction that we engage in. Corporations are just groups of people. And lowering taxes on corporations and raising taxes on corporations, that's just really lowering and raising taxes on those various people. Economists have long debated exactly how to divide the corporate tax burden between labor, a corporation's employees, and between capital, a corporation's investors and shareholders. But in the discussion on exactly where to set the corporate rate over the years, this point sometimes gets lost. And we know why. It's a pretty abstract concept to gain traction in the public consciousness. But hey, not you. You are here on a tax policy podcast. So here's another layer of complexity for you to ponder as we tiptoe through the Biden tax plan in the coming weeks. If raising the corporate rate is indirectly raising taxes on investors in those corporations, consider how such a provision interacts with other proposals being put forth by candidate Biden, because I do think they bump into each other. And I'm not saying that that's not intended. Maybe they fit together like a jigsaw puzzle. I'm just saying one has to work a little bit harder to see how those things interact. Well, with that deep thought, we'll leave you for this week. And until next time, Thanks again for tuning into Catching Up on Capitol Hill, and I hope to see you soon.